This is the final uh, talk or message in the series of the Holy Spirit, the fifth message. Extremely deep and much depth in the Word of God. And the final message is entitled to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And in summary, to be controlled by the Holy Spirit is the understanding, one understanding is the Holy Spirit empowers us through the Word of God to live out the person of Jesus Christ, to live out the character of Jesus Christ, and to live out the conduct of Jesus Christ. That's empowerment by the Holy Spirit. That is controlled by the Holy Spirit, one understanding. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to do the will of God the Father. So when we actually look at this, background and the explanation of the Holy Spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit will be given. But 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the living stone. Rejected by man, but precious in the sight of God and chosen in the sight of God. And as the living stone, the ultimate living stone, the cornerstone. And verse 5, chapter 2, verse 5 says, You also, personal, plural, are living stones, are, built, are being built up as a spiritual house for holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Concept. Built up. Concept one. Do we recognize our need to be built up? And not built up for anything as a spiritual house. Holy priesthood. Spiritual sacrifices. Our concept of being built up is to offer spiritual sacrifices. Continue in 1 Peter 2, 9, 10. It says about us, we are chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of, for the possession of God, to proclaim the excellencies of God who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we are all each individually priests of God. We holy, sanctified, set apart by God. We a people of God's possession. We are not our own. We are people of God's possession. So when you look at the spiritual house that we are, being built up and offering spiritual uh, sacrifices, can you begin to understand now why we need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit? But there's only two options. You're controlled by the Holy Spirit or controlled by self. Holy Spirit, righteousness, self, flesh, and sin. Two options. Controlled. If you look at that concept of offering up spiritual sacrifices, classical reference, anyone's writing, Romans 12, 1, 2. Paul writing 
I exhort you. He's not commanding. There's an exhortation. I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you to offer up your bodies a living, holy sacrifice. A living, holy sacrifice. The body as a spiritual sacrifice, which is your spiritual service to please God. This is our spiritual service to offer our whole living bodies, not dead bodies as in the Old Testament. Second concept, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to know what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the concept there is renewal of mind, focus of mind. We talked about the Holy Spirit having a mind, will, and emotions. We have mind, will, and emotions. And so the renewal of the mind, the anachronosis in the Greek is occurring from the Holy Spirit, which comes to Titus 3.5, is we regenerated, we are washed of the regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. This is the work of the Holy Spirit on our mind. Because if our mind is not set on God, we're working in the flesh in general, even though we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So you see the importance of being controlled by the Holy Spirit. So what's this concept of being controlled? It's explained in Ephesians 5.17. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. There's the will of God. Do not be drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Holy Spirit. Be filled is the key which explains controlled. Be filled, you all have heard it before. I've taught on this before and others have taught on it. Verb, present tense, voice, active, I'm doing it. Is that correct? No, I did that deliberately. It's passive voice. I did that deliberately. Passive voice, I, can't, I am not doing the action. I am receiving the action. It's not my work. And then mood, imperative mood, command. So be filled with the Holy Spirit is no option from us. It's a command. And it's present active means, present passive means present means today, tomorrow, the next day. It's a continuous present presenting of myself to God. And we'll explain that to be filled. So we don't, the prayer, again, I explain is people pray in good intentions, give me more of the Spirit. That's not actually an actual prayer. Because we need to be filled. And the filling will explain is why that's not intent, good intention, but it's not an accurate prayer. And we'll explain that. Be filled with the Spirit. Verb there is, the name is pleroa, which is the verb. Present, passive, and if you just think of be filled, a passive, that's all we need to know and command. Ephesians 3, 16, 19, Paul is writing and he says, he's praying. This is a prayer request. Question, do we pray like this? If you don't know how to pray and you're starting to pray, well, this is one way to pray. That he would grant you to be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit and to know the love of Christ and to be filled up to all to all the fullness of God. He would grant you. The key word there is when you're talking about the word through. You've got to look at each word. That's dear. 
D-I-A in the Greek. That is, that through is the medium. The only medium we can be filled with power is through that word. That's the medium, Holy Spirit. Nothing else. Everything else for our old power is self, which is flesh. And we cannot please God through our self or flesh. And look what it says, the final. That, that in the Greek is explanation. You may be filled, there's the same word, pleroa, but look what it says, with up to all. All in the Greek is past, means entire. God wants in his glorious riches, spiritual riches and glory, he wants to give you everything and me. Fullness. He wants, that's pleroma, that's, that's not a verb anymore. It's, it's, it's a description of what God is talking about. Do we recognize that God wants to fill us with all his fullness of deity in this fleshly body? And the only way to get there is controlled by the Holy Spirit. So we see what is the filling when you are be filled means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's the meaning. Be filled. I'm not in control. I need, which means it has to be the work of God. And we'll explain how that be filled means. Two things we're going to get into. And these are not Christian vocabulary. These are not believers' vocabulary in the Christian church at the moment. Sadly. First thing. Submission and surrender. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You're going to see this word verb used, which is a command in many instances. Everyone knows the great command, Matthew, love God with all your heart and mind and soul and love your neighbor as a self. That's a command. That's the end of everything. But there are multiple commands over and over again in the Bible that we've got to know. And if we're not knowing those commands, we're not enacting Christ and we're not living out Christ. All these are commands. Anyone wishes to come after me, first command, he must deny himself. Command. Deny self, deny desires, deny lust, deny a pleasure, deny all of what my flesh wants. Deny. Is that a common Christian word? Is that our mentality every day as we get up? No. Second, that you think is difficult. Take up your cross and in the other version in uh, references, take up your cross daily and follow me. Not when I need it or you need it, daily. Daily, take up your cross, staro, staro, when you actually take up the cross, means think of that knife and that stake was placed in, into Christ on that cross, which means surrender. I need to be surrendered every day. Am I, is that part of the Christian vocabulary in the church today or with us? Every day. Send it, because it says in the other reference verse, in the other gospel, take up your cross daily. You see, this is daily. Extend this thought, Philippians 2, 5, and 11. Most of you know this verse or may know this. This is talking about Christ to give the perfect exposition of what surrender means, submission. Have this 
What's the initial? Have this attitude or have this mind in yourselves as it was in Jesus Christ. There's the mind. It, it is here. The thoughts, the will, the emotions. So this is where we're looking at. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God, a thing to be grasped means held on, but emptied himself. And being found, watch how he is found, in the form of a bondservant, a doulos, a slave. He humbled himself by being obedient, by being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, that God so highly exalted him that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, angels, on earth, even under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Total submission, total humility, humble submission, if you want to word an adjective for the submission, total obedience to the will of God. Is this me? Is this you? This, the whole breakdown, as I keep on teaching, I, I work word breakdown in the word. And the reason I do that, it breaks me down. And the reason it's word by word breakdown, it breaks me down every. What it does, it humbles me, puts me in a right position so I can worship my God and know who my God is and know how small I am and appreciate how limited I am. And yet this God of heaven, this God of mercy and grace has brought me and made me his child. And so my response to God is loving submission. There's the love. The, the love of God should drive in me the love of God, Christ, Holy Spirit, to make me want to serve him, want to empty myself, want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, want to live out Christ. See, the word has so much power. And unfortunately, I teach in exegetically, so it's a lot of depth and there's a lot of time involved in it. But since this is my last message, I'm not going to try to take leeway anyway. Anyway, see what surrender is? When we say take up my cross daily, this is what God is telling us to do. Humble submission, obedience. No negotiation. Now, we can do whatever we want to, but we are not walking in the Lord. So, first aspect to be controlled by the Holy Spirit is humble submission. If we're not doing that, we're not going to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And you could pray all you want to fill me, at least uh, give me more of the Holy Spirit. That's not going to occur. Because the Holy Spirit has to be in control. And it can't be in control if we're not yielded daily. Second aspect, sin. Second aspect, we cannot be controlled by the Holy Spirit or filled by the Holy Spirit if there's sin in my life. And the sin in the life of believers and in the church today is, is a forgotten word. 
How many preaching sessions do you have of sin? How many people are accountable for sin? As I talked before, the spirit, his spirit bears witness, at least my spirit bears witness with me. You know what that means? I alone knows what's in my heart. No one else knows. Unless I tell you, but do you see people telling of their entire inner being? No. But God sees, word says, everything is laid bare, naked, to the eyes of him who can see directly into our hearts. So yet, we have so much confidence in self and so much lack of respect for God. You know why? We all do this. We're able to go and undertake our self-desires and self-will, even though God can, is, it's like split open as a cardiologist and previously opening chest. You split the chest open, you make a stenotomy, and the heart is right before you. Well, he sees right into that heart of mine. And yet we act like only we know, but God knows. So do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God for whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That is in Ephesians 4.30. Do not quench the Holy Spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5.19. In the setting of sin, Ephesians, I'm going to do mainly Galatians and, and uh, Colossians in when we talk about flesh versus spirit, spirit versus flesh. But this is set Ephesians 4.30, in 4.17 in Ephesians, I've not been able to do, add this as well because of the time limitations. But Ephesians 4.17 says, talking to believe, do not walk. Or walk also as the Gentiles walk in the futility of the mind. There's the mind. Having been darkened in their understanding. 5.17, 5.18, part of it. 523, uh, 5.22, lay off the old self. 5.23, be renewed, command, in the spirit of your mind. Don't walk in the futility of mind. Renewed, where? In the spirit of your mind. Do we pray? Do we make that imploration to God? Renew me in my spirit. Help me. Holy Spirit, who's indwelling me, teach me. There's so many prayers we can make. I love praying from the Bible. That's my primary motive, right? Because I know what God is telling me, and I know I'm falling short, so I come back to him with his own word, acknowledging. So if you look at 420, 430, it's interfaced in five commands. Speak truth. Do not speak falsehood. Speak truth. There's the first one. Second, this is my flesh versus spirit. Speak truth. Speak no falsehood. Starting with the negative. Speak truth. Two, do not be angry. Be angry. You can be, but do not let anger cause you to sin. And do, next thing, do not allow the sun to go down on your anger. It means that anger can occur, but it's limited. It's got to be destroyed immediately. And then it says, do not allow 
Do not give the devil an opportunity. You know when we stay angry? We're giving the devil an opportunity. That's what. Then it says, do not steal, but use your hands for good labor. Then it gets, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only word for edification. I'm limiting that verse. Negative, positive. Then it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, who you are sealed. We discussed that verse under spiritual power, uh, message three. Then it goes on to let, you, let yourselves free yourselves of anger, of bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, strife. Give them away. And then let no malice be found in you. Then it comes back with a very positive. This is one of my, I preach in one of the Baptist churches. This is their motto. Be he kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another in Christ as God has forgiven you. That's a phenomenal motto of that church. Baptist church. Wonderful pastor. Forgiving is charizomai, Greek. You know what's charis? Grace. Charisma, spiritual gifts. I did that last week. The grace of forgiveness. If God has forgiven us through his grace and mercy, we need to forgive others by showing the same grace and mercy. No negotiation. The word of God is straightforward and I love it. It's blunt. It pierces to the heart as, uh, pierces into the heart as uh, Hebrews 4.12 says. Everything is laid bare. I'm passionate when I preach. but So do not quench the Holy Spirit. Interesting, where's the context? You've got to look in that where it is sitting in. It's sitting in holy behavior. Thessalonians, Paul writing in Thessalonians. He says, 16, rejoice always. Command. Pray without ceasing. Command, no option. In everything, in all, in all things, give thanks to the Lord. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. This is the will. And then 519, it says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. So in this consideration of holiness, do not quench the Holy Spirit. In essence, quenching in the Greek translating is suppress. Suppression. So when we quench the Holy Spirit, we suppress the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is still living in you and me as a believer. It cannot be taken away. Romans 8, 9. But we can suppress the power so the Holy Spirit is in there and it's not functional. No, it's not exerting power. So we can call all we ask for in that prayer, you know, fill me more with the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit's not going to respond if I'm not meeting directive of yielding, submission, surrender, or of taking sin out of my life. Confession. 
And then in 522, it says, let no unholy thing, let there be no evil in you. Sin is evil. You want to know, when we grieve the Holy Spirit, let me explain this. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And when we're sinning, we're causing deep inward sorrow of the Holy Spirit. We are fighting the Holy Spirit. We're saying to you, Holy Spirit, I am in control. Can you see? We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. And we won't ever be with a sinless perfection like Jesus. But what God is calling, like I've explained, we are called to maturity. Maturity means walk in light. As we grow in grace and knowledge, as we're under the control of the Holy Spirit, there's less darkness in me. There's more light in me. And this circle of light gets larger and larger. So people, when looking at me and you, are seeing the circle of light. They're seeing the character of Christ. They're seeing the conduct of Christ. And you think grieving the Holy Spirit is bad enough. Genesis 6, 5, Jesus, uh, God talking, at least uh, Moses writing, God, when he saw the wickedness of man, he saw, what did he see? He, it says, that they were only evil continually. But before that, he says, every intent of the thoughts of the heart were only evil continually. Now let me break that word down to, know, to demonstrate how evil. Evil is adjective. You know how evil, that word is how God expresses that evil? He uses three adverbs. Now if anyone wants to learn English, the Bible is the best word book for teaching English. I work verbs, nouns, predicates, prepositions, all the tenses. The Bible is the best book to teach children English. If you know how to study it and you know to break it down from the Greek to the English. God looks at evil and uses three adjectives. He says the evil is ever adverb. It's only evil and it's continually evil. And Verse 6, 6, God was grieved in his heart. Can you imagine that grief God looked down on man who he created in perfection, who through sin ruined perfection. And because of God's absolute abhorrence of sin, he had to send only one person, our Lord Jesus Christ, for one reason. taken away our sin. Do we recognize how sinful we are? We are only, this is why I want to leave words. When we do wrong, when I sin, I, I've memorized a lot of the Bible. When I, the reason, and I memorize words, when I sin, that word comes to me in my conscience, only ever continually. That word hits me in my mind because I know the word, I've studied the word, it's in me. Because it's my conscience, which is my moral faculty, is letting me know wrong, evil. And then the conscience needs that word saying not only wrong, not only evil, only evil, continually evil. You go down and knees immediately. 
Repentance. Okay. If sin is not addressed, we cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit. We cannot be controlled with the Holy Spirit. This is the second major aspect. You know, I've got to make one comment here. Uh, if I can have a right sense of humor, I'm from Africa, so we slow. <laughs> so this talk is, is not at the stage where I expect it to be at this stage because of my slowness. But once I get into the word and my passion comes in, I'm just using that word to dissect all of us. You know, confession is very easy. I make that and then I'm like, explain that. Confession to Christians is, first you've got to realize you sin. And we'll explain those words, everyone sins. And it was easy before, the law, because most of them were outward. And you could say, I didn't commit murder, I didn't commit adultery. You know, I didn't steal. But number 10 will get every one of them. Covet. Everyone covets. No one can meet number 10. But what Jesus did on the Sermon of Beatitudes on the Mount, he just took it to another level. He took that law, put it inside. Inside. And he says, you know, you talk about commit adultery. No, we don't commit adultery. If you look at another person, me, looking at a woman with lust, that is, even though it's not enacted, it is adultery. If you look... If I say, do not steal, but the thought that I steal, or you go to a grocery shop and they give you, they don't charge you for something, and you know it, and you let go, that's stealing. It's internal. You don't have to. So, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous, to forgive us from, forgives all our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Very easy. You know the verse, you can say it. God, I've sinned, I've, I've confessed my sin, forgive me. There is no substance in there. Let me explain. Because nowadays, it's taken very meekly and lightly. And I go back to Hosea. It's one of my favorite books. It's spiritual idolatry. Compared to faithfulness and love of God. We haven't got time to talk about it. Otherwise, you could be here the whole day. This is what repentance looks like. Repentance is not only when you come to Christ at salvation. Repentance is daily. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you are stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously that we may present the fruit of our lips. Return, shub in the, in the Hebrew. That's turning. So repentance, the idea, you just turn away from your sin to God. That's one concept. But when you talk about returning, he's talking about the heart, the inner being. I'm going to express it this way. The inclination of your heart has to be back to God. It's an inward thing. It's not an expression. It's easy to say, I'm sin, I'm sorry. Forgive me. There's no meaning, there's no substance in there. It has to come from the heart. 
For you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Explanation. Iniquity. Iniquity is three things in the words of uh, sin. One is transgression, which is rebellion against God. Iniquity, the meaning in the Hebrew, is vileness. Oof. Look at uh, Isaiah 53, all these words there. And finally, sin is, very simply put, is not, mis- not, not hitting the mark or missing the mark. That's an easy explanation. All unrighteousness is sin. To me, that's a key verse. All, anything unrighteous is sin. So he says, return because of your iniquity. Again, return, stumble, watch the confession now. Take words with you. Take words in the Hebrew is coming to God in prayer. When you come to God in prayer, you're taking words to God. That's all you're doing. And that word has to come from the heart, not from the mouth. And return to the Lord. There's a return again. So confession. Say to him, take away all iniquity. Personal communication to God. This is vile. Take it away from me. And then it says, receive us graciously. Plea for restoration. Well, we know at first John, he restores us. But we're making a plea for restoration. That's, can you see the depth of this? And receive us graciously. There's the grace of God. But then look at this, that we may present the fruit of our lips. In other ways, calves of our lips. Old Testament, calves, sacrifice. No longer calves, fruit. New Testament, Hebrews. So, order. We can't come and praise God unless all sin is confessed. That's the order. Because God is not going to be listening. We can be praising all our way because when we sin, we got to understand what happens. We break fellowship with God. Now, there's a fellowship and relationship. Relationship is we sealed with the Holy Spirit. We indwelt, not ever lost. But when we sin, we've broken fellowship, which means no fellowship. Can you imagine each time we sin? Can we think of that? Believers, or Christian, I'm reading the Bible. I know the word, broken fellowship. So it has to be confessed. And 1 John 1, 9, when we do that, restored fellowship. If I can pause a moment here. The reason we don't act as believers is because we don't know. And the reason we don't know is we don't spend time studying. We don't get into the word, depths of the word, and I'll explain that. Psalm 51.5, you think that was bad? Now watch this. Psalm 51.5, David in his repentance of spiritual adultery with, adultery with uh, the sheep, it says, 51.5 says, talking to God, I have sinned against thee and thee only. When we sin, it's only against God, and he's blatant. And now, and I have done evil in thy sight. What? And you think that's bad? Look at 51.17. All these verses are stuck in my brain, all these verses, because, hey, this is what works me and understands. It says, the sacrifices of God are broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart thou wilt not despise. 
When we, God is looking for sin and genuine confession, confession without brokenness and sorrow, this is the word, is not confession. As far as I'm concerned, and the scripture tells you, God is looking for brokenness. You know why? He's grieved. The spirit is grieved. If, we, if there isn't an understanding of godly sorrow, that's the word, then we go just do it again. And we keep on doing it. There's no accountability. And a God, the most important character of attribute, or at least essence of God, nature, is holiness. Holiness, holiness, holiness. In the current world, it's been replaced by love. So you can do anything you want to. God loves you. You break the holiness of God, we're in trouble. Now, we may be saved. We'll come back to that. The last thing is, 1 John 3, 3, 8, 9 says, The one who practices sin is of the devil. Clear. The one who is born of God does not practice sin. Very clear. And practice, both uses of the word, is present tense. I mean, practicing today, practicing tomorrow, practicing now. So there's a difference. A non-believer or a person who says he's Christ but is not a true believer can continue this practice of sin. But you get warned because this is not what God wants. So it's the continual, habitual practice of sin that results in destruction, which is a non-believer. So we've seen two things to date. Number one, you want to be controlled by the Holy Spirit? Get sin out of your life. It's a daily event. Remember, a sin is not what we actually do. It's what we think. Can you imagine? The think is not in, the mind is not in conformity with God's thinking. That's sin. That's why it says, set your mind We'll see that. You strengthen with power. It's the set your mind. Has to be on the spirit of God. That's the only way. Second, yielding. If you're not meeting, if we are not in that characteristic, we are believers. Spirit is not working in power. No power. We are children. When you go to heaven, you're not under judgment. You're not on the great throne of white throne of judgment for eternal separation and hell, but you are under judgment for one thing, works. Wood, hay, or straw, all your works, burnt up, no reward. Gold, silver, and precious minerals withstand fire, plenty of rewards. So our judgment there is for rewards, not for eternal separation. I'm going to work here, word of faith, word of God and faith. So you've seen the two critical things. I know I've spent a lot of time, more time than I thought I would. See, my mind doesn't think so well as to how much time I spend, so I'm asking forgiveness from y'all. As long as one forgives me, I'm okay. I don't know about the uh, nursery school teachers. They may not forgive. I understand that. The Word of God is so important. And I'm going to say it's neglected. This is the Bible. 
I want to remind each and every one, there's only one book one needs to first and foremost look at, the Bible. Not other books, not books of writers, not podcasts, and not videos. Those are secondary, but you better understand this book before getting impressions of the other. Let me explain. Your word, explanation. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Oh, think about that. Colossians 3.16, we'll be going there. That the word of God richly dwell in you. Not simply dwell, richly. Do we find this word of God, I'm not talking about books written by people, I'm talking about this word of God. Not on podcasts, not on iPhones, iPads, the book. When I look at this book of Bible, when I open it, I open it randomly on certain times. And it's amazing, no matter where I go, God has got a word there for me to bring tremendous memory. You cannot, through an iPhone, go to any place or iPad in the Bible randomly. You have to put in a, a book. Can you see the difference? This book is neglected. Do I draw to this book? Do I look at what's written in this book? The riches of this book. This is God speaking to me. This is God's word. Neustos, I said that. Inspired word of God. There is no book written by human author that is inspired. No matter how much time you. You may come to know Lord through reading a book through the testimony. But no human book is inspired like this Bible. So you have to start here. Spend your time here. You not only have to read it. You have to study it. You not only have to study it, you have to meditate on it. And you not only have to meditate on it, you have to ponder it, and then you have to put it in your heart. Where's the, where's the word? In my heart. Where's the word in Colossians? In my heart. How many words of Bible, how many verses can you memorize that, that are in your heart? Because that has to resonate within me. My conscience has got to know the word of God. Because my conscience is, is my inward moral compass and is saying right, wrong, good, evil. And the conscience is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So am I drawn to this book that you don't have to look at it, that it is a time requirement? I have to study or I have to read. Can you see? There is, if you want to talk about a love of God and love of Jesus, I'm going to love this word. You don't have to tell me. I get up early in the morning and I'm going to spend time. And the best time to actually serious first to start to pray, I, I will say this again, even though people may pray at different times. As a cardiologist, the reason I only say I'm that retired now, I used to be at work for 6.30 in the morning. My normal time of getting up was 4, 4 o'clock. I'm not asking you all to do that. But I had to do that because if I didn't, at 6.30, I'm already at work and I've got no word in me. I've got no prayer in me. You know why that's important? I may be a believer. I may be teaching the word. But if I'm getting up with no word and no prayer, I'm going out in my own strength, in my own strength and power. And I'm a dead person. And this Bible, whenever I went to work, is my, in my briefcase. First thing I do... This Bible gets opened onto my table in work. 
I can go it, look at it any time in the day, even though I'm so busy. Focus. Be attracted. Don't have to be told to read the Bible. Psalm 48, 40 verse 8. Old Testament. Thy, I delight to do thy will. Thy law is in my heart. The delight of the psalmist is to do the will of God. This is a reversal. That was heart, then will. This is will. I delight. Can you see, we are not taught these words in Scripture. That I, I just want to delight you, Lord. Whew. Is that our inward being? Not with our mouth or what, what we're thinking. 16, chapter, uh, John 16, 13, 15, I'll be brief. We did this. The Holy Spirit, whom I will send, the Spirit of truth, he will not speak of his, of a new, of his initiatives, own initiative, but he will disclose to you. No new revelation disclose to you what he has heard, and he'll disclose that to you. He will glorify you. Each of us has the Holy Spirit, is the teacher. John 14, 26, is the guide. Whole teaching, whole guide, truth, righteousness, holiness, and the guide is glorify God. So we have an inward teacher. We have the word of God. The word of God is called the sword of the spirit in Galatians 5, 17. The spirit is the power. It needs the word of God and works through the word of God to empower that's being controlled. And not only empower, but to do the will of God. Spirit and the word. You want to know why I spend so much time on word? I didn't even have a chance to do faith. It'll take too long. I'll just make one. There's four verses on faith. One verse I'm going to give you. Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we call to walk in faith. I'll give you a second verse. Sorry. <laughs> Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And he who comes to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of those who seek him. Impossible to please God without faith. So faith working through word under the control of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Way behind, sorry. The importance of having the word is going to be through those. This is spiritual battle. Again, foreign word most people here in this country, it is real. The battle is not flesh and blood here in the mind. Spiritual, that's where battle takes place, spiritual battle. Because we talked about the mind and the futility of mind and the disposition of mind, which sets your sin, just one point. Sin is conceived in the mind. And if you, 2 Corinthians 10.5, take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. Once sin comes in and you know it's wrong, you've got to immediately crucify it. If you don't, and you now allow sin to work out its path, you're going to end up in sinful actions. The battle here in the mind. Look at Jesus. And we, don't think, we think we're immune to spiritual battle. 
Look at, think again. When you're looking at Jesus, the devil comes right up against him. If the devil can attack Jesus, who are we? Who am I? Who are you? That's not a challenge. It's not a negative comment. We've got to realize this. If you are the son, and just before this, Matthew 4.1, Jesus is in the spirit. It says he was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Watch those words. I don't have time. Led by the spirit. So he's in the spirit. He's led by the spirit. But he goes in the wilderness to be tempted. And the Satan, after 40 days of uh, starvation and water, comes and tempts him. If, we won't go into this, but if is conditional. There's four conditions in the Greek. You've got to know which conditional clause it. Because the answer could be yes, no, possibly, etc. If you are the son of God, Command these stones to be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, Deuteronomy 8.3. It says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of, the, out of, out of, out of God. He's responding to spiritual attack with the word. And he's responding accurately. So if you don't know the word, and we in spiritual battle, we are dead meat. We're just prone to dead meat. Sorry, that's a word that's not in my vocabulary, but I'm just used that. <laughs> that's not what I normally say. <laughs> a second temptation. You know how good the devil is? He thinks the devil is just easygoing. If you are the son of God, he says, he took him onto the holy city, put him on the top of the pinnacle of the mountain. If you are the son of the man of God, Throw yourself down. For he said, he will, he quotes Psalm 91. For he said, the devil says, it is written, he will give charge containing, uh, charge concerning your angels. Then he goes to Psalm, uh, verse 12, he says, he will hold you up. But you know what he did with Psalm uh, 91, verse 11? He missed out a portion of verse 11. He missed out a portion. Devil can speak scripture to you, but he'll counterfeit it. It won't be accurate. So you better know, and I better know scripture because otherwise he can convince us or the mind can convince us. I'm doing this. Oh, that's not bad. You know, God allows that. No, no. If you fall down and worship me, he takes him to the high mountains, shows him the riches and glory. He says, if you fall down and worship me, Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, Man shall only worship. You shall only worship. Watch how he responds. Lord your God and serve him only. Worship is only directed to God. Service is only directed to God. And he talked to the devil even in 4, 6, and 7. He says, Satan, it says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Three times, Jesus responding with scripture from Deuteronomy. So if we talk about ourselves and want to fight and have undergo spiritual battle, this is not about, this is about flesh and blood. This is about spiritual battle from the devil. And if we not and in the word, I challenge everyone, the current English literature, uh, just make two comments. Books are written by the thousands, now by everyone. Two, 
the, it's considered that the coming now, that the primary authors of all books is Christians. And they're writing of the Bible. Everyone. Secondly, the expenditure generated in 2021 from Bibles, at least from book sales, three quarter billion. People are rushing to read books. When you talk, give reference to a book, have you, do you have any understanding of believers, how much they know of this Bible? So people are reading books as opposed to reading Bible. They're having discussion by famous authors, either on podcasts, videos, etc. And discussing Bible. Paul says to Timothy, older women teach younger women. Same applies to men. So our church of state of the church is not very good when we don't have people having mature in the Bible, skill in the word to teach the word without having to necessarily look at all these books. I'm nothing against the book, but I'm saying it's gone to the extreme. Okay. We're doing well for time. I've got to apologize for Pastor uh, David. He told me to be on time. I have to ask him in forgiveness, and I have to ask all of you all in forgiveness, uh, unless I have to probably cut some of my word. This is a command, but I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh, for the Spirit sets its desire against the Spirit, uh, flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, so you may not do the things that you please. There's the direct opposite. So we talked about, this is a spiritual battle every day. Flesh versus spirit, spirit versus, and the command there is walk by the spirit is a command. There's no option. You want to be, by walking by the spirit, it means you are controlled by the spirit. Understand that? If you're not controlled by the spirit, you're not walking by the spirit. And if you've gone gone to the base where I discussed at all, you're in trouble, and I'm in trouble. Now, the, I'm going to just read this because of time. The deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality. Those are related to sexual concepts. Idolatry, sorcery, those are concerned with pagan worship or worship here. Not here, but different enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, distensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. This is... 519 to 521a, 521b starts another thought that I'm not going to get into. So it's saying, I don't have time to go into this, I was going to go through each one in detail. Each of us need to read it, meditate on it, understand it, and put it in our hearts. Because that is flesh. It's no use talking about the fruit of the Spirit and praying for this fruit of the Spirit when you don't understand the deeds of the flesh or the works. That word deeds or works is actually plural. So it's multiple. So how many, I assume everyone knows the exact number of, I'm not going to tell you all, I can read about it, exact number of uh, deeds here. And it, this is not complete. And things like these. So how are we fighting this spiritual battle when we don't even recognize about sin? We're not informed. 
It's not in us. And these words we need to dissect. I haven't had time to dissect it. My fault, spending too much time. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against there's such things as no law. And people pray for this. But are we in submission? Are we in repentance? Are we truly confessed? If any of that is there, and we, are we in the Word? Because if we're not in those, you can pray all you want to for fruit of spirit, and it's not going to be there. And that's the problem with the state of the church at the moment. Was when we talked about proclaiming the excellencies of God, First Peter, people have to be looking at us and seeing love. First thing, love. There's four words for love. I'm just going to do that one word. Love. There's four words. One is eros, erotic or sexual love. Two, filial. That's love of fellowship. Three, storge, S-T-O-R-G-E in the Greek. Love related to family. Four, agape, unconditional love. And you know how tough that is? And I just want to leave one concept here with love. Love is related to mind. It's a conscious mind issue. That's why we told. Renew your mind in the spirit. How do you say love is a mind problem, mind issue? It's not an emotion. And the reason is we call to love the unlovable. That's not a human con- approach. If you think that's easy, well, let's go to Jesus talking about love. Second time in Luke that love word is mentioned. Love those who hate you. Hmm. Is that what it says? Anyone? Love? There's four things he says. Love, bless, pray. Pray for those who mistreat you. Do good to those who want to harm you. I'm using my own words here. See what Jesus takes love to a different level? Bless those who curse me. Is that me? Or am I immediately offended? He's put that in the context of love. That's agape. It, it, it's a conscious decision of mind, and that mind has to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, there's no love. And that's the biggest problem in the church today. I'm, it apl- applies to all of us. Is because people look at us and they can't see the love. As the saying says, we hate the sin but love the sinner. Don't have time to go in this, but Colossians. Watch how he raises the issue with the Colossians. This is again coming to flesh by spirit. If you've been raised up with Christ for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ is our life is revealed, then you will be revealed with him in glory. Union. Raised up with Christ. Resurrection. Died with Christ. Your hidden life is hidden in Christ. Union. And then talking future glory. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed in glory. Future glorification. Union and future glorification. And he says, based on that, 
chosen of God, holy and beloved. He implores them as a setup to get rid of sin by telling about our position and what God has done for us. Resurrected, dead to sin, and talking about future glory. Consider your members earthly dead to immorality, impurity, goes to the rest. I just want to go on to dead to immorality. Command, verb. We don't have to call into that. Dead to means consider, put to death all of this. Conscious command to me and you put to death. And you could go and look at the website later on and, and follow this. And then lay them all aside. Goes through all of that. We need to know these words. We need to know every one of them. Because that is sin. This is flesh. And if we don't know them, we don't see our faults. And there's no accountability. And we carry on. But God sees them. Okay. I'm cutting up with time now. I put these verses, Colossians 3, 1 to 2 and 10 to 14, breaking it down. Pastor David was good enough to put it as I wrote out. And I left out all the others. And the reason is these are all, there's three, four, five, six, seven. There's every one of them is a command. They're either present tense, active, I'm doing it, or aorist tense, which means a completed action could be past, present, or future, middle, middle uh, voice, or two options, present tense, active, or aorist tense, active, or middle voice. Eight, seven commands. Are you familiar with any of these commands? First thing it says, Keep seeking the things above. Remember I said without faith, faith it's impossible to please God. That's the word seek there in, in there. Seek, seeking the things above. Set your minds above. The mind has not focused on our people around us because we see sin around and therefore when you look at our own sin, it's not a problem. Set your mind. Set your mind. It's a command. Sorry for raising my voice. Put on heart. That's a command. Present tense. Active. Command. We won't go into the words. Put on love, which is a perfect. Put on. Command. 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 Present tense. Active. Uh, imperative. Let the peace of Christ rule in, reign in your hearts. Command. That's a command. It's not a request. It's a command. And when we have peace with God, uh, Philippians 4, 6, 7, which surpasses all understanding, is when we, peace is, 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 is a concept of unity or concord. Unity. When we are in obedience to God and we're in unity with him, we're going to have peace in our heart. We're going to have joy in our heart. That's a command. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. I discussed that. Command. I put those there and the previous slide was put to death, immorality, etc. Lay aside both commands. Do you realize there's so many commands? And you want to turn to all these books and people telling you what to do? 
as opposed to taking the Bible and spending time and you got the Holy Spirit indwelling you as teacher guide. And the whole purpose of teacher guide is to glorify God. Yes, we can look at other places. My challenges, look at those verbs. My job as a teacher, that's my gifting, is really put all this thing together. And it applies to me just like you. And I'm more having more problems if I'm teaching the Word. I know the Word. I've memorized all these verses. I've spoken the whole day, whole morning. And yet, I can have the ability to sin. Oh, can you imagine the problem I have? I have to come down on my knees and beg and ask God, forgive me, forgive me. A heart of repentance, a heart of confession, a heart of sorrow. I'm on to my last slide. Five minutes overdue. Not too bad, Pastor. <laughs> See, I, I'm looking here, and I'm looking always at Pastor David. You know why? <laughs> I'm accountable to him. And accountable as teachers in the nursery. So five minutes overdue. I want to, like I've told you in, in, in these five messages, as you see, I don't give you a lot of thoughts. I take the word, break it down from Hebrew, at least so Greek to, and just expound that. That's the gifting God has given me. But go spend time, listen to these messages. In fact, Pastor Phil talked to me, spent 40 minutes on the phone this week with him, and if you allow me to say that, he said, Francis, I, read, I went and re-listened to that message three times. Because there's so much, how do you pack so much depth in one hour? Because all he's hearing is, so imagine Pastor Phil listening to this message three times. You know what that says? I'm humbled by that. That's all I have to say. There's no boasting or pride in me. I'm humbled by that. And that's what I say. Just listen to it. There's too much depth in here. And the last is the motivating driving factor is walk in love. Romans 5.5, 5, it says, God has poured out the love, his love of God has poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The love of God was poured out into us through the Holy Spirit. Fact. But he tells us that's God's work in positional. That's our position. He says, now, live out that, live out that love. Last week I ended up with love. This week I'm going to end up with There's only one commandment in... Uh, Hebrews, at least uh, 1 Corinthians 13, is, 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 is explains love. There's 16 qualities of love. I'll just use one example. When I get upset about someone, someone says something to me. Someone offends me, and genuine offense. You know what comes to mind immediately? Bears all things, endures all things does not consider a wrong suffered. It diffuses me, breaks me down, takes that offense out of my heart immediately. Does not consider a wrong suffered. Bears all things, endures all things. Patient and kind, I say. I, it breaks me down because it takes that resentment or anger, whatever may have built in me, being offended or uh, immediately. That word immediately hits me and I say, okay, I'm wrong. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Leave your last word 
on Jesus Christ, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Obedience flows out of love. And without love, everything is shallow. Father, we thank you for this time and we give you praise and honor and glory. Thank you. And I pray that the hearts who've heard this, Father, I know may be grown tired from the length, but ask for forgiveness, but it's your word and your power. I pray, Lord God, that this word would just change our hearts, revolution our hearts, enable us to be able to yield, to submit, to surrender, and to repent. Enjoy the beauty of the word. Walk in faith and in love. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a broadcast from LifePoint Church in Greenville, South Carolina. If this ministry has touched your life in some way, we would love to hear from you. Just visit our website at www.lifepointsc.org for more information. Or, if you prefer to reach us by letter, you can write to us at P.O. Box 27036, Greenville, South Carolina, 29616, USA. Until next time, may God bless you as you continue to follow Him. to see